everyone, my name is Greg. Today I'll be talking with my colleague Martin Holt about the Gay Community Periodic Survey in Canberra. This is a long-term nationwide survey that looks into the sex lives of gay and bisexual men. Who's doing what and who are they doing it with? Check it out. LGBTIQ health, lifestyle and community news. Check it out. It's brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone. We're here today with Professor Martin Holt from the Centre of Social Research in Health from the University of New South Wales, and we're going to be talking about the Gay Periodic Survey results of 2017 for Canberra, and perhaps a little bit of detail about the rest of Australia too. Welcome, Martin. Oh, good to be here. So this is like uh, a whole bunch of really interesting, juicy stats for all of the nerds who love that sort of thing. But behind the stats is a story being told about how uh, men who have sex with men in Canberra, how they're meeting one another, what they're doing with each other, and uh, what kinds of um, health effects that might have for us. So I just wanted to ask a little background about how long has this periodic survey really been going in Australia? Mm. Yeah, so the surveys overall, and they're conducted in seven states and territories, started in 1996, so they've been going for over 20 years, and the Canberra iteration has been running since 2000, uh, since the turn of the century, um, or just before, and in Canberra we do the survey every two or three years, so the last decade we've been doing it pretty much every two years. And that gives us a regular snapshot of what's going on locally. Uh, Some of the more populous states and territories, we do it every year. So we get quite a lot Mm. of regular data from across the country. And so this long-term study means that we get an idea of what the trends are. Absolutely. So its main purpose, what we do is we kind of send a team out. And in Canberra, that's organised by the AIDS Action Council. We go out during the Spring Out Festival when there's a lot of uh, people out and about. And the surveys, because their original purpose was to investigate practices that affect uh, HIV and sexual health, we deliberately target uh, gay and bisexual men. Um, The surveys are very sort of gay community oriented. And that's primarily because gay men were the kind of first and primary population affected by HIV in Australia. We go out um, to events and venues and um, we use peers to recruit people to fill in a questionnaire. I hasten to add that we often refer to it as a brief questionnaire, but most participants don't refer to it as a brief (laughs) questionnaire. They prefer it to be briefer. And we ask them about their sexual practices, their relationships, their drug use, HIV testing and service engagement. And it gives us a really good idea what's going on locally in terms of the um, success or otherwise of HIV prevention and health promotion activities Mm. Um, and any gaps in the response actually. One of the really interesting things I find is how is uh, Canberra similar and how is Canberra different to the rest of Australia? Uh, One of the things that I'm really taken by in the stats here is something around relationships. I've noticed that two-thirds of the men surveyed are in relationship, long-term relationship, whether that's monogamous or open. How is that different to everywhere else? 
Um, well, that figure, two-thirds in relationships, isn't that different from around the country. But what's kind of um, interesting and sometimes amusing to people is that the, the proportion in monogamous relationships, so about half of men in relationships in Canberra are in a monogamous relationship, uh, is relatively high um, mm. in the, in the, around the country. So we often make the, the joke... The reputation's real. The reputation's real. If you want a long-term partner who doesn't play away, come to Canberra. However, it's a 50-50 chance of whether you'll end up in a monogamous relationship or not. So, But it's that half-half split, about half in monogamous relationships half in open relationships, that's actually fairly standard. That's fairly standard. So we've got about a third of the the population surveyed were in a monogamous relationship, about a third were in an open relationship, and something like 20% are only having casual partners at the moment. And then there's one in 10 who currently are not busy um, mm. you know they're having a break having a break um, but yeah that those proportions are relatively standard so I mean the thing that's interesting there is that over half of men in Canberra are in relationships uh, mm. that probably means they've got a single partner or a regular sex partner and over half have casual sex and they well. overlap yeah and they overlap yeah and so that sort of brings us to, so what are people doing, what are guys doing to uh, look after their sexual health? We know that guys have a different uh, strategy for uh, HIV prevention and perhaps STI prevention in a long-term relationship compared to with their casual partners. Yeah, so what we typically see for gay men uh, in relationships is that usually, like the heterosexual peers, gay men in a long-term relationship will stop using condoms, but that's usually negotiated. So that's usually on the basis of both partners knowing their HIV status as a result of testing and agreeing that they can stop uh, using condoms. Now, up until recently, then usually the strategy was if you were allowed to have sex outside the relationship, if you'd agreed that that was okay, you would typically then use condoms outside the relationship with casual partners. Now, things have started to change a little bit recently because we've seen a number of new strategies um, emerge and be promoted. And also, um, we're starting to see rapid uptake of those strategies uh, as well in Canberra. Sure, the new kid on the block is PrEP. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that's the one that's really standing out at the moment that PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, regularly taking antiretroviral drugs to prevent HIV um, has started to become available in Canberra. And the last survey round that we did at the end of last year, mm. we see the, the first group of guys who are using that. Yeah. And the rate of uptake is fairly rapid. And if obviously the question that we have when we come back next year is what level will that have reached now that there is a public listing of PrEP and any doctor can prescribe it? Sure. So at the actual time of all of the surveying, that's like uh, October, November last year, that was when EPIC trial had only just begun uh, taking people on, and uh, so it wasn't even full yet, and PBS hadn't started. So we see, I think the stat was 12% of the guys surveyed were taking PrEP. Absolutely. So, yeah, towards the end of last year when we did this in Canberra, 12% of the samples said they were on PrEP. Um, What we see interstate is kind of much uh, in more slightly more recent surveys. So ones we've done at the beginning of this year is up to double that um, level of use, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney, where there's 
probably been greater access to studies to get prep. And I guess the question we have all around the country actually is where the upper limit will be for this. You know, what mm. degree of demand and then uptake will we see for prep now it's publicly available? So in just two years, from 2015 to 2017, more than 10% of the guys in Canberra have decided to start on PrEP. And possibly by 2019, when the next survey's on, who knows what that number will be. Yep. And what is that effect in terms of behaviour? We know that condomless anal sex is happening more often with casual partners already. Absolutely. So, I mean... We were talking about, you know, different strategies that people use in different contexts. And obviously, 10 years ago, the primary strategy that most guys would have assumed if they went out to have casual sex would be that column use would be the primary strategy or the default if you weren't sure. It was almost automatic. Yeah. If you weren't sure of your partner's status or you suspected that the two of you had different HIV status. Or if you didn't want to talk about it. Or you didn't want to talk about it, producing a condom would be kind of like the default way out. Sure. Obviously now with a growing cohort of people on PrEP and of course the other uh, newer strategy um, is positive men, HIV positive men being on treatment with viral suppression, um, sometimes just referred to as shorthand as undetectable or undetectable viral load. And the campaign U equals U, all of these different slogans for it. Absolutely. The, you know, and the global endorsement by large agencies that if you are undetectable, you cannot pass on HIV to your partners. Those two things in combination, PrEP and particularly undetectable viral load, have really changed the possibilities for casual sex. But also they make um, negotiation between casual sex partners that bit more nuanced. Mm because there isn't one default strategy. There are at least three um, if you want to focus on strategies that are highly effective, condoms, prep, undetectable viral load. I mean, and we also know that men sometimes negotiate around HIV status as well. Yeah. Um, So you stir all those things up and you've actually got quite a lot of um, different options now. And that's happening particularly with the endorsement of U equals U. Yep. which has really only happened properly in the last really year. In the, last year yeah. uh, the science is a bit older than that, um, but the endorsement's really only the last year. And PrEP accessibility is really, certainly in Canberra, only in the last year and a half yeah. to any degree. Um, the casual sex field has changed a lot uh, for guys very rapidly. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it assumes that there's going to be more discussion about choosing a strategy that suits you, but that's not necessarily happening. We, we probably don't know enough about that, really. This sort of survey doesn't ask that sort of question. But it does ask at least about disclosure, and there's some kind of con- contradictory uh, information there that in some ways HIV-negative guys are disclosing their status or talking about their HIV status more often, but there's less guys doing it every time. Mm. Yeah, so there's a couple of interesting trends there. In general, HIV status disclosure, so telling other people what you think your HIV status is, has become more common in Canberra as it has across the country and probably in other similar countries overseas. As people have got more comfortable with the idea of negotiating around status, 
and also HIV testing has become more common as well yeah. so people feel more comfortable using mm. that knowledge um, however we also ask guys if they have condomless sex um, do they disclose to every partner um, and that was also becoming more common but it seems to have dropped off a bit in the last mm. survey round and so there's one of the things we're wondering about while um, these new strategies are incorporated and adjusted to is that leading to more complicated in-depth discussions and disclosure or perhaps uh, more likely um, discussions online or through mobile apps and the rest of it or is it allowing people to go I don't need to have a conversation because I feel very because I know I'm or safe I feel I am anyway or I feel that I am take using a very reliable strategy mm. particularly prep or undetectable viral load mm. and I don't necessarily need to tell everybody about that in every context because I know what I'm doing is reliable mm. and it's not clear that there's a straightforward moral argument to that what should everybody be doing no. because not everybody does the same thing but I think it's an interesting one when you think um, maybe um, five, ten years ago, there was kind of an expectation that if you weren't going to use a condom, you had to have a conversation about something. Mm. And that probably had to be HIV status and you, it probably needed to be mutual in order that you could make an informed choice about what you were doing. Now, in some ways, you might argue that's an idealised form of negotiation. Um, and with PrEP and undetectable viral load, I think we're very much in a phase where it's not clear what the right answer is in every situation, and I think people are figuring this out on the ground. So it's I think really a time of change. All the norms have, have shifted, and we haven't quite found a new norm. Absolutely. I mean, you could describe it as it's an extraordinary period of opportunity for people who've been worried about HIV, given some of the new tools that are available. But it also is quite disruptive. So that can mean that people might know not know what to expect particularly if they're if they don't have casual sex very much or they're going to an unfamiliar setting mm -hmm. like a sex venue or a party or something yeah. and I think we're waiting to see the productive and useful strategies that we know guys are using we're waiting to see which ones kind of hold and get bedded in yeah because that can make it easier for everyone if we tell people well these guys are doing this you know, whether it's dis disclosing every time or putting things on their uh, in internet profile or their yeah. app profile. There might be other guys who are going, I prefer a situational strategy. I prefer mm. to discuss when I'm asked. Yeah. And there might be other guys who go, when I'm not sure of my partner, I might initiate a discussion. And I think we're seeing a mixture of all of those things. Um, and it probably means there's going to be research about that sort of behavioural stuff, the attitudinal stuff that's going to be done side by side with this. Yeah, so I certainly, certainly I'm not the only one who's involved in stuff like that where um, I've been involved in survey research about attitudes to PrEP and treatment as prevention. I'm working with some colleagues at the Kirby Institute. We are going to start asking people about their disclosure and discussion practices later this Great. year. Yeah. We'd love to know what people are saying and doing with each other. So look out for one of those annoying survey, survey links. That's right. <laughs> look out for another one of those annoying calls to fill in a survey later this year. Um, we'd love to know what people are actually doing with their partners and what they find works and what they find doesn't work. Yep. 
I'm really encouraged that a kind of, uh, I guess you'd say it's an anecdote that we became aware of here has been confirmed by the survey and that is that a lot of guys in Canberra firstly are meeting by uh, hooking up on apps, nearly half of them, and a lot of guys are travelling interstate, travelling internationally or even just going across the border to somewhere else in New South Wales for hooking up with somebody. These are where people are finding their casual partners. It seems to me that that's putting people in Canberra in touch with a different place with its own attitudes and perhaps its own sort of set of agenda. I know that there were guys who were heading, say, to Sydney or to Melbourne and finding themselves in places where PrEP had a big uptake and they hadn't even heard of it yet, say, a year ago. Um, this is this porous kind of community that we've got is has its own challenges. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a few years ago, we were just talking about the use of apps and how apps killed every other way of meeting people. Like Before that, it had been the internet, when the internet took off as the default way, and this must seem like so ancient to anybody <laughs> dinosaurs, under, aren't we? Yeah, under the age of 30. Um, but when inter- the internet took off as a way to meet partners, lots of venues suffered. Uh, we know that. There's a lot of discussion about that. The last 10 years has all been about apps becoming really popular. They're totally normative now, like they are the default way that people uh, meet each other. And of course, the great advantage is you can use them pretty much anywhere. But the other interesting thing in Canberra is, yeah, it's a small territory and a small city and a small territories. And there are a lot of people in jobs that allow them to travel. And um, guys in Canberra are really quite likely to have sex outside of the territory, um, particularly in other Australian cities and to a lesser extent overseas as well. And I think you're right, that requires a certain degree of literacy about other settings. Um, so guys who go to Sydney all the time, I mean, they'll have watched these changes unfold. But if you only go occasionally, in the inner city, the uh, prevalence of PrEP in particular, um, the degree of change that's occurred there over the last two years would probably be quite um, amazing. Because, yeah. you know, up to a quarter of guys now in, in Sydney will be on PrEP. And that's happened in the space of two years, basically. So, and that means it's probably a, a, a sort of a comparative increase in condomless sex in casual settings. Absolutely. And in yeah, in some venues and some settings, condom use will if you if that's what you want to do, would need to be negotiated because the default might not be that. Right. Um, it, particularly if partners are using prep themselves or yep. they're undetectable, their expectation might be you will only ask for condoms if you need to. Um, and I think that's a you know that's a real shift in the it's way a real that shift in what's assumed exactly and how prevention is done because they're using effective strategies, but the onus on requesting a particular strategy or on disclosure or discussion may have shifted to the person who's not using prep and mm. the person who's or the person who's not using treatment, and they may not realise that. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm. there's a also a really interesting blip in the numbers here I've noticed in the drug uses um, uh, section where we've noticed that there is a really large number of people in Canberra, a number of guys who use AML, where drug use in Canberra is relatively low. Um, you know, it's all in the lower than 10% for most, most drugs. AML is like one in three guys is using it occasionally or regularly. Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually. Like, amyl nitrite poppers, you know, 
historically used both socially and sexually, but typically used sexually by gay men to as a sort of a sexual enhancer or, yeah. you know, give a bit of a rush or to make anal sex easier. Yeah, one in three guys in Canberra in the last survey reporting at least some poppers use. And it's been a kind of steady increase over about a decade here. It's not a one-off. It's really steady, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really steady increase. And so I w- I've been asking you guys, what do you think is going on? Um, I wonder, some of this, I think, actually could be driven by the current prep wave, I think, where there might be guys who are having a new phase of expo- sexual exploration and having sex with more partners um, because they feel safe because they are safe from HIV um, because the other drug that's also risen in use is Viagra and similar drugs like it like Cialis yeah. another erectile dysfunction medication which is reported by nearly one in five guys in the Canberra survey last time that's doubled in and the that, last two years yeah and that's doubled and and to me that is not prescribed because you have a permanent problem with erectile dysfunction that's recreational use yes um, that's men who are using it to make sure they can keep an erection for longer um, particularly if they're having sex for a prolonged period of time mm. so those two things kind of stand out to me a bit actually which suggests uh, sex related drug use um, which as you say is unusual because in Canberra the level of illicit drug use overall is not that high compared with some of the bigger cities yeah um, so I think that's one to watch or one to ponder. Yeah, yeah. Whether a, this is just private use or whether this is use at parties or at other spaces. And that it's legal. You know, Canberra people like legal things apparently. This is really <laughs> interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one to look at. One to keep an eye on. Yeah. So in terms of the new strategies that we have for HIV prevention, undetectable viral load or PrEP use, we've seen something like 12% of guys at the time of survey uh, on PrEP. There was something like uh, 7% of the guys surveyed um, said that they were HIV positive. All of them are on treatment and something like 90% of them are undetectable viral load. So that's two, that's like nearly 20% of the population, one in five guys are using um, a medication kind of strategy for HIV prevention. Mm, yeah, absolutely, and um, and that's quite a big and rapid change. I mean, the the not a massive change for HIV positive men. Like levels of treatment use uh, have been growing across the country, and in Canberra, there's always been really quite high levels of treatment uptake and viral suppression. Obviously, PrEP is the new kid on the block. But what's interesting then is if you look at um, Gay men have a history of coming up with different strategies to reduce HIV risk. Very creative. Very creative. So condoms is obviously the obvious one that people know about. But there have been a whole range of uh, alternatives to condoms documented between condom use every time and now the new kids, PrEP and undetectable viral load. The most obvious one, or obvious one we refer to as serosorting, guys may not call it that, but that just basically means matching HIV status before deciding whether or not to use Yeah, um, so if condoms. I'm positive, I'll, I'll choose a positive partner. If I'm negative, I'll look out for a negative partner. Absolutely. And certainly, um, first among positive men, say 10, 15 years ago, this was relatively well documented. It was a fairly common strategy for positive guys. If they didn't want to use condoms, they'd find another positive guy. 
no risk of passing on HIV there. And then we started seeing it maybe 10 years ago among negative guys as well. And this current... Not always as reliable. Yeah, not always as reliable because, of course, you can't necessarily know if you've been unfortunate and you've acquired HIV, if it's between your regular HIV tests. But it became the kind of dominant strategy for negative guys who didn't always use condoms with casual partners, so negotiating around status and looking for other negative men to have sex with. And what we now see um, as PrEP use takes off is that that is rapidly becoming the dominant strategy for negative men. But we also see a growing group of guys who are also knowledgeable about undetectable viral load and not just positive men. You Mm -hmm. know, they're negative partners as well. It's not a majority strategy by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly these public discussions about the benefits of treatment for uh, prevention and that undetectable viral load is safe uh, and prevents onward transmission means that um, even in Canberra, we see a growing cohort of negative men who report condomless sex with positive partners who have viral suppression, who are undetectable. But the big change for negative men, and I think it's a welcome one, is for guys who perhaps were relying on serosorting before are switching to PrEP. Mm. And I encourage that. You know, it's a much more effective... Far more reliable. Much more effective strategy. You're in control of it. You know, you take your medication, you keep your coverage up, your medication coverage up. You can't get HIV. And, yeah. you, and you can't pass it on to anyone can't else. Pass it on. This... Um the big elephant in the room, of course, is STIs. And uh, we've seen the reports, everybody was worried about it, that as soon as um, there was less condoms being used with casual partners, that there would be an uptick in STIs uh, being reported and it's showing up. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess the caveat about sexually transmitted infections is that they've been gradually increasing regardless of these other changes for a number of years. And that may be, for gay men, that may be associated with declining condom use because obviously that means if you're not using a condom for anal sex, you can pass on an STI that way. But I I think as most of us know, you can get STIs even if you're using condoms because gay men have a range of sexual practices that don't just involve the dick and the bum. (laughs) Uh, There are a variety of things you can do. Very creative, again, very creative. Very creative, like there are tongues and fingers and toys and all manner of things, and all of those things can pass on STIs. Um, So we've, and it's not just gay men as well, like there are, way more STIs diagnosed in the heterosexual population and they've been climbing as well. None of these things are to be celebrated, but it should be acknowledged that STI rates, for whatever reason, have been climbing across Australia in most mm-hmm. populations. And, it, you know, it's a cause for concern. We want Let's people to... Let's blame the internet and mobile apps. Let's blame now the internet and mobile... Well, one argument I've heard is that sexual repertoires, like as in the range of practices people engage in, yeah. fingers, tongues oral sex, anal sex, vaginal sex, have been broadening over time. There is some evidence that people's sexual repertoires, Australian sexual repertoires, have got wider. And, of course, that means there are different ways to pass on STIs. Um, Now, that said, we also have been quite successfully encouraging people to go for testing more often as well. And the more people you test, the more often you diagnose STIs. And so one of the bringing it back to, say, PrEP and some, I think, scare stories about STIs and PrEP in particular, because PrEP is the big change, that's the big uptake, 
is that um, guys on PrEP are probably the most tested for STIs in the country. So you test a group of highly sexually active people regularly, you would diagnose STIs very regularly. And that is certainly the case with guys on PrEP. So you could look at this two ways. You could go, oh goodness me, guys on PrEP are being diagnosed with STIs very commonly. But you could also say these guys are being diagnosed and treated much more much more quickly than somebody who only goes into the clinic once a year. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I'm kind of a believer in that argument that guys on PrEP are most actively involved in maintaining their sexual health. Now, that said, you may not be that comfortable being diagnosed with STIs very often. Sure. But I would like Not always to, pleasant? Not always pleasant, but I think we kind of need to give people on PrEP and their partners kind of some space to work out, well, what am I comfortable with? Uh, is my strategy test and treat? Get tested four times a year, and if I pick something up, I'll get it treated sure. readily. And there may also be some other strategies that we're hearing about as well, which is being a bit more selective about who people have sex with and who people have condomless sex with, or strategic condom use with some partners. If you're not sure about a partner or a partner says that they haven't been tested regularly, you might choose to use condoms to minimise the chance of STI transmission. Condoms, of course, do reduce the chance of STI transmission, but as I said, they don't eliminate it. So we still need people to go for sexual health checkups. And it's still early days. It's only a year or two years in some places that uh, PrEP has even been around. And so maybe some guys are becoming more adventurous and and enjoying uh, condomless sex. And then they will start to experience some repercussions with STIs and decide, oh, actually, maybe I do want to use condoms some of the time, more of the time, and that that will change over time. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Um, I think however that you know it's a difficult proposition to someone on PrEP who's gone on PrEP because they're worried about HIV and they've had that uh, worry removed now because they're successfully using PrEP. STIs are usually regarded by most gay men as a lower order less serious concern. They want, an inconvenience. An inconvenience. Sort. They want them dealt with yeah. uh, and they know that most of them can be treated. People feel a bit funnier about things like genital herpes you know which is obviously acquired usually sexually. Mm because the adjustment to that can be a bit unpleasant to begin with, but it's Mm. an easily managed ongoing condition. And then most of the other ones, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, people don't like being diagnosed with them, but they are, on the whole, easily and simply treated. Um, And it is worth telling people that, because I think scaring people about STIs or making them worry about them puts them off going for testing, and I think that's problematic. We've been focusing our attention here at the council on trying to increase the amount of testing for STIs and HIV that people do, how regularly they do it. And the surveys uh, told us that um, that guys in Canberra are testing more regularly for HIV. Is that the case for STIs as well? Yeah, so as HIV, because in Australia we tend to encourage doctors to link and patients us, the punters, going forward, they tend to encourage the linking of HIV and STI testing. And so we um, encourage all uh, sexually active gay men to test at least annually, 
regardless yeah. of whether you're in a, a monogamous relationship or not, you know, it's just mm. a good checkup. If you're having a lot of sex, go more often. Mm. Um, things like PrEPR and being on HIV treatment are often tied to quarterly testing, which is about as much as most people can cope with. Yeah, um, lots of blood, lots of probing. Yes, exactly. You know, painless, but kind of uh, painless sampling and so on. But there's usually been a bit of a gap. Like, it's usually we've seen it, um, people are more likely to report HIV testing than testing for STIs. And that may be because you're going to a GP who's not kind of aware that if you're a gay man, that you should have both done at the same time, get the okay. full range. Mm. Um, however, there's been um, really big improvements in comprehensive STI testing over the last decade, including in Canberra, yeah. where usually the request for one type of test usually triggers the offer of the other ones. Or starting well. a conversation about, okay, so how many partners have you had in the last six months? Or, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and why don't we just get everything out of the way and get them all tested at once? And While we're doing it. Yeah, and to re- reassure, I guess, the nervous, like um, I think people have this idea that an STI screen involves something really awful, like somebody sticking something in your penis. That is not recommended. And if anybody suggests that to you when you don't have any symptoms... Uh, you should refuse it. Like yeah. it's, it, it is not standard practice. STI screen is really quite straightforward now. You pee, uh, give yep. a urine pee sample, sample. Mm-hmm. throat swab. That can make you gag, but you know most of us are used to that. And um, and an anal swab, which usually a doctor will or a nurse will ask you to, to do, do it yourself, yourself, so you can do it privately. And a blood test. Um, yeah. And that those four samples can pretty much test you for everything that you should be tested for. Yeah. So uh, the survey will be back in Canberra in another two years. Um, it's annual in most other cities in Australia. Where does it go to from here? What is the survey going to do next? Yeah, good question. Well, actually, the survey will be back here next year. So we collected the data last year. This is the off year in Canberra, and then next year we'll be back during spring out. Um, notwithstanding funding requests and all the rest of it. I guess more broadly, I just wanted to sort of thank everybody who took part in Canberra and made it happen because the Canberra survey is relatively small, but it contributes to the data collection we do nationally. So we report these, all these statistics, all these figures uh, reported nationally where we have a bigger conversation about what's going on. And these issues we've been talking about, PrEP, treatments prevention, Mm -hmm. they're the really obvious things changing at the moment. And so I personally, probably completely conflicted here, given I run them and it's my day job, think we actually have some really detailed work to do here to keep this going, to watch this change and to see how, to, how it settles in. Because our job is to reflect back on gay men's practices, work out things they're doing well and say, keep doing that. Yep. And identify any problems and bumps in the road, like mm-hmm. things like as we've been discussing, say around negotiation or disclosure, yep. that might be less than ideal. And then say, should you be doing that? And perhaps we should shift you into a more effective strategy. There's still a group of guys who are unprotected by condoms, prep, or undetectable viral load. And we would like to encourage them to choose one of those strategies or be a bit more consistent in their practice. And there's a lot of attention focused on those guys. In PrEP rollout, there's a lot of attention being focused on disparities in uptake, so people who might not feel comfortable coming forward. Who's missing out? Well, I think there'll be there's there's a mixture here of social and psychological factors here. There could be people who feel a bit reticent about coming forward. Maybe PrEP doesn't feel like the right thing for them. Sure. 
and maybe they're waiting to see how it goes with the first wave before they come forward. There is a bit of a discussion about people who were born overseas and maybe come from minority groups who perhaps have uh, less confidence in accessing the health system or don't have a regular doctor, might not be covered by Medicare. Oh, I think yeah. We've got to do some serious work there uh, for people who would benefit from one of these strategies. And that obviously requ- uh, requires some different forms of engagement, uh, work in language, different other languages other than English, working with multicultural groups to make sure that we're reaching the right networks. I think that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we are beginning to see in some jurisdictions, you know, declining HIV numbers, which is great, uh, particularly among Australian-born gay men who've seized some of these opportunities uh, from PrEP and treatment yeah. as prevention, uh, if we're not seeing those beneficial changes among men from, born from overseas or particular migrant groups, uh, say from, I don't know, uh, some Southeast Asian countries, for example, or South America, we want to focus our efforts there and start to see the benefits. And so the behavioural monitoring is not the only thing that we do, mm-hmm. but obviously it gives us a, an indication of where we need to be focusing our efforts. Now, more broadly, I also think, you know, we follow the community as it embraces different technologies. I personally would also like us to harness more technology in getting the survey to people. So we're, we're already, we do a lot of face-to-face recruitment, People don't believe me, but it is more efficient uh, yeah. to get a lot of people. But we're also online and on mobile phones. Um, for the surveys, I would also expect to see us trying out different methods of engagement and you know, using electronic data collection just to make it a bit quicker, a bit more easy for p- people, but also so that we can do things like um, in the survey in languages other than English. And I think yeah. that's something we're going to experiment with over the next yeah, few years. Sure. Thank you, Martin, for your time today. Um, It's time to get you on a plane. All of our collaborators here in the Canberra area just love it when we get more information. Thank you for coming down. No worries. Thank you for hosting me. It's been great to talk to you, and I look forward to working with you next year. For more information, visit our website at aidsaction.org.au. Follow us on Facebook or become an AIDS Action Council member. You know you want to. LGBTIQ health, lifestyle, and community news. Check it out. It's brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone.